Gal. Hey guys and welcome to Galp. It's your boy Fish. Today we're going to be talking about Nobunaga's ambition, specifically Nobunaga's ambition awakening. By the time this episode is released, it's already released. It comes out on the 19th of July. Really, really awesome game. I haven't been involved in like any other Nobunaga's ambition games before because I wasn't necessarily interested in it. I did review other ones in the past, like Nobunaga's ambition Taishi, I believe was the last release in 2017. That was a long, 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 long time ago. And since then, I haven't been playing a lot of Nobunaga's Ambition. But before we kind of get into it and the, the whole point of the discussion, I am going to thank our sponsors, Crunchyroll and Sugoima. In addition to that, big thanks to Koei Tecmo for actually sending us a review code for the game and actually sending it to us early. Wow, it's amazing. Thanks. Big shout out to Koei Tecmo. But yeah, for you new folks, Gal is up premiere gaming podcast as a part of the gal network we're going to be talking about games we're going to be reviewing them we're going to giving we're going to be giving you guys our thoughts and like i said today we're going to be talking about nobunaga's ambition so let's go i love that soundbite don't you it took me ages to get that soundbite because i actually had to go into samurai warriors record the gameplay audio and do that i guess and there's this one as well oh no that was the wrong one that was to my use laugh had to get that from the game files from Dynasty Warriors 3. You flaming idiot! Yeah, also from the game files. I'm not even sure which. That's the one I wanted to play. The cheers. That's what I wanted to play. Anyway, we'll get into it. Nobunaga's Ambition Awakening is out now. By the time you're listening to this, it is the 16th entry in the Koshibusawa's famed historical simulation franchise. So the historical simulation franchise kind of includes a bunch of other games. Kassen was included in that back in the day. If you go back and play the original Kassen games, it will say historical simulation franchise or the historical simulation series in like plain text. Romance of Three Kingdoms is also a part of that series as well. This game initially launched in 1983. I believe uh, it was all written in basic way back when. Its first sort of console release was on the second uh, was on the sega saturn and on the nes around 1988 uh, this game came first and then um a few years later came uh sangokushi a romance of the three kingdoms excellent games but bear in mind back in the day they were pretty similar games they were just built one off one another and pretty basic uh, the maps were different of course and the characters were different but in terms of the the base gameplay, they were relatively similar. Over time, they kind of sort of began to get their own identities. And I would say, personally for me, although I'm a big fan of uh, Shinsangoku Muso, and I prefer Shinsangoku Muso to Sengoku Muso, so I prefer Dynasty Warriors to Samurai Warriors. In terms of this historical franchise, I kind of prefer Nobunaga's ambition to Sengokushi. Only because there's just so much going on in Romance of the Three Kingdoms. The map is huge and it can feel that battles are drawn out and it just feels like there's a lot going on. And to be fair with you, you don't get that in Nobunaga's ambition because literally your map is just Japan. And in all fairness, there is a lot more stuff that goes on and a lot more stuff that you kind of need to take into consideration in Nobunaga's ambition because there is foreign adversaries, foreign powers that kind of come in as well. You have to also kind of think about religion uh, in the game because that plays a very important part, especially in Awakening, where you can kind of build churches and shrines and things like that. 
It's really cool. It's a really good game. I wasn't expecting it to be this good. The reason why I say that is because I wasn't too impressed with Nobunaga's Ambition Taishi. I felt it was too complex. It was too confusing. And especially for me, I don't really play these sorts of games. I did recently during COVID, I got into a lot of like civilization, playing Civ 5, Civ 6, and it kind of made me fall in love with Nobunaga's Ambition. And I think if you are someone that loves Japanese culture as well as loves games like Civ, you're really going to enjoy Nobunaga's Nobunaga's ambition genuinely and I think Koei kind of understands that as well because this game in Japan got released last year it took them a year to release Nobunaga's ambition Taishi got a universal release and it was all in Japanese this game actually has an English dub mind you there isn't much in terms of the dub it's just basically all outs like understood and yes sir and that kind of stuff so it's basic audio but it does help to sort of bring you in a little bit more because that was also another reason when i was playing taishi you'd have these call outs and they would be in japanese and there would be no subtitles for them so you're like i don't understand what the hell they're saying and especially because they're not even speaking modern japanese they're speaking like old school japanese so it's, it's just very difficult to pick up on it thankfully in awakening you do have an english dub and it's fantastic i will say this i wasn't expecting an english dub when I first opened the game, I was like, oh, there's an English dub here. I got so confused. I was like, what the hell is this? Like, why is there an English dub in this? Yeah, genuinely, I was just so confused about it because I was like, what? Why is there an English dub? I was expecting a Japanese dub. I almost want the option to get a Japanese dub as well. One thing that I did notice is that there is a slight glitch with trophies. So I don't know what any of the trophies are because the trophies are still in Japanese and I think Koei can easily fix that and I'm not going to put that against them, but I would still like to know what trophies I am unlocking and how that's going to kind of transfer over. I think they just uploaded the wrong trophies. But you could tell that this game didn't take much in terms of localization. Yes, there is a lot of text to localize and there is that, um, that element of it, but the game is relatively small only i think it was only like 20 gigabytes like genuinely it was quite small and i'm playing it on the ps5 you can buy this game on the ps4 the switch and on the pc i will say this it is better to play on the pc just because these types of games in general are better to play on the pc it's not necessarily an obunaga's ambition thing it's just mainly that if you are playing this type of sort of strategy simulation rpg then i would recommend playing on the pc just because you get a little bit more guidance in terms of the uh, keyboard and mouse uh, especially if you played a lot of Civ and games like that it's just going to be a lot easier to move around although you do get used to the controllers at first it does seem a bit complex the demo is quite good in actually teaching you how to use the controller and how to sort of move troops around there is a lot of menus but you pick up on it quite quickly and bear in mind like i said this is a lot lot easier than Nobunaga um, Ambition Taishi or Sengokushi. So I think for new players, this is going to be right up your alley. And also you have the option to play extra easy. I did play on extra easy mode and you might be wondering why Bish is just because I want to enjoy and it is quite difficult. Like even for me, like I'm finding it a bit difficult to play on extra easy and even on easy only because I'm not used to the style of game. I think once I get used to a bit more of Nobunaga's ambition, then yeah, I'll, I'll kick up the difficulty. That being said, I'm loving this game. Like I've been spending so much time in it. I'm actually currently trying to review Final Fantasy 16 at the same time and I got a little bit bored of Final Fantasy 16 so I was like hell yeah I'm gonna give this an opportunity to play Nobunaga's Ambition and I've been playing it non-stop to the point where my eyes are going red like I'm 
literally addicted to the game. Time flies so quick. And there is a lot of stuff to worry about. Like you have to worry about like, is someone going to invade? Do I have to worry about like alliances, building up my cities? Like there is so, so much to talk about. And I think we're going to do that. We're going to talk about that in a moment after the break. But I did not expect it from this game. It's so complex, yet it's so easy to play, which is good. It's good. It's, it's like if you want all of that advanced gameplay, you have it there for you. And there's so many different options as well. And we're going to kind of go also through the key game features as well on here. So you are acting as Daniel, which is like the ruler or like a feudal lord almost. Players will be supported by retainers, AI officers who think and act on their own judgment. Key fact about this game, it's going to include the most officers in the series so far with over 2,200 different officers, each with unique special abilities or traits and their own qualities. To be fair with you, they all sort of mingle into one. Like I found that at least with the English dub, a lot of the voices, there's not that many voices that you can choose from, but a lot of the voices that are set to NPCs are the same. So it's almost like you don't necessarily care about the NPCs. The artwork is all unique, so which is pretty impressive. But to be fair with you, the game visually is also impressive. Mind you, there isn't any sort of animated cutscenes it's more like visual novel style cutscenes things like that there is battles as well like sieges which is pretty cool i really did enjoy those i don't get much opportunity to do them just because they take so much time and i always find that there's so much preparation that needs to happen in the game for you to get into a successful siege and a lot of the time you just need to make sure that you're fighting a fair battle to even get into a siege like if you have too many troops you just win the battle like you don't even get the option to siege equally if you're losing Haran then you don't get the option to, to siege as well. Yeah, which is pretty cool. So the way that the siege works is that battles will happen on a single map with various landscapes and they'll be different. They're not going to be the same. So they take place when players attack an enemy base or a defensive position. If players set a roadblock around the castle, around the castle, around the castle, then this will allow them to disperse in the enemy's defensive position giving them an advantage in battle. Defending a castle in a siege, players can build defensive equipment and important equipment, which will have special effects when resisting enemy attacks. So like when they talk about important equipment, it's like archers, setting up archer towers, setting up your allies to throw boulders at the enemies, setting up catapults, things like that. It's pretty cool. And they will have special effects when resisting the enemy attacks. However, attacking the enemy side's total morale will rise if they manage to destroy any of so, for example, if you want the best advantage in a siege, first thing you need to do, destroy blockades and destroy enemy equipment because that will quickly bring up your morale. In addition to that, defeating all soldiers, well, you win the castle, you'll win that siege and you can destroy enemy morale that way or you could you could seize the castle you know you don't want to do that there's multiple ways of winning a battle which i find really really interesting you can also kill enemies in battles you can turn off that that option uh, if you want if you don't want enemies to die in battle uh, you could change all those settings around i set it so that enemies can die in battle and the reason why is because i don't want too much going on and it's a bit brutal but when you have enemy units like die in battles and stuff especially if you're taking one castle if you keep them alive like if you don't execute them after a battle then they'll just go back and they'll be angry the only way they're gonna join you is that if you have enough gold or if you have enough some of something that you can give them a lot of the time i kind of keep it quite lean so i just execute them that way they can't go back to their retainers and their daimyo and so you know especially if it is someone that i know has caused me a lot of trouble and i'll remember their names and things like that i will say this you don't really necessarily care as much about npcs because there's just so many of them there's 2200 in addition to that you can create your own characters which i did and you can fudge up the game a little bit 
which I also did, but yet it's still hard, even at like 100% stats. Your stats can go beyond 100%. So I've set my characters to like, just to give me a fighting chance, I set my characters to like 100% political and all that kind of stuff. And still they can grow beyond 100, which makes me think that there is characters, NPCs in the game that have stats beyond 100 anyway, which is cool. I didn't play the story and I'll tell you why, because I didn't want the story to interfere. And it's, it's a bit weird. I also play Dynasty Warriors Empires the same way, same with Samurai Warriors Empires. I don't want the story to interfere because I already know the story. And I'm like, hey, I'm not gonna get involved in the story. There is event battles that you can partake in and they're pretty much like sieges, but they're just specifically for those events. So like big battles, like the battle of Segigahara, for example, like stuff like that. You can do those battles. Romance of Three Kingdoms had those as well, like Battle of Cherubi, etc. So you can partake in these event battles. I just selected the fictional mode on this game just because I wanted to sort of include my own creator characters. If you wanted to, you can include your creator characters in any of the timelines and any mode. But I just wanted to kind of have them as a daimyo in their own sort of unique place and have those randomly generated NPCs. And it's just interesting to build your own alternate history to Japan. And I think it's pretty cool. But yeah, we're going to go on a break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking a little bit more about Nobunaga's ambition awakening. Now it's a better time than ever to be an anime fan with Crunchyroll that has the world's largest anime collection. You can watch new episodes one hour after they air in Japan, enjoy access to unlimited ad-free anime, read hundreds of chapters across dozens of manga titles and save with exclusive Crunchyroll store discount. So if you guys go to crunchyroll.com forward slash kunai, that's crunchyroll.com forward slash kunai for your 14 day free trial of crunchyroll premium service remember you guys we love crunchyroll we use them on kunai i personally love them i personally use them all the time we've been going to crunchyroll events for a long time long time sponsor of the podcast and you know what they are the best place to watch anime legally online with over thirty thousand episodes and at the moment if you're listening to this they've got the largest fall lineup in history for fall 2022 with over 40 simulcasting titles that is insane so join crunchyroll with our link crunchyroll.com or slash kunai for 14 day free trial in addition to that you've got different perks with your premium service you can either go with your mega fan you can go with fan service or your mega fan for 12 months personally the biggest savings that you're going to make is if you do your mega fan option if you live in the uk that's only 60 pounds a year that's vat inclusive that's cheaper than any streaming service at the moment especially if you're into anime you got all your anime pretty much in one place that's no ads unlimited access to the control library new episodes one hour after they air in japan for your simulcasts access to your digital manga streaming on four devices at the same time as well as offline viewing you would not believe how many times offline viewing has saved me beyond the tube there's no wi-fi there's no 5g i'm like ah, oh, i want to watch anime boom i'm watching overlord i'm watching dr stone i'm watching naruto I'm watching dbz you've got it all on crunchyroll so that's crunchyroll.com forward slash kunai so that's crunchyroll.com forward slash k-u-n-a-i Back onto the episode. Are you a fan of anime and Japanese pop culture? I know I am. So why don't you get your asses down to Sugoi Mart? All right, 
That's sugoima.com. Alternatively, you can use our link, getlifepodcast.com forward slash sugoi. That'll take you to our special link on sugoima. That is getlifepodcast.com forward slash S-U-G-O-I. And use our code G-A-L-P. That is G-A-L-P for 15% off on everything on sugoima. And you can use the code multiple times if you really love sugoima. And you're like, hell yeah, I'm going to go and purchase the best things that Japan has to offer. Food and drink beauty items, collectibles, toys and games. You can actually buy Gunpla from Sugoima as well as a lot of things for your home. Kitchen appliances, bathroom, bedroom stuff. They've got these really lovely Spy Family campus notebooks. I'm a big fan of stationery, as you guys know. And they've got that there as well. There's some really cool stuff on here. You can also purchase experience sets, which is basically like kits to make matcha, to make onigiri, and they'll provide everything basically. Whatever you want, Sugoi Mart has got it. They've got a lot of really cool stuff from Japan. And as you guys know, every sort of month or so, they give us care package that we show off to you guys, which I think is pretty cool. So they've got really nice stuff included. They also sell Pokemon cards and a lot of genuinely hyped stuff. What we want to do is that we want to find out the weirdest things on the Sugoi Mart website and get Sugoi Mart to send them to us. So Sugoi Mart, if you're listening, let's prepare that. Let's just get the weirdest stuff and send it my way. And we'll, we'll talk about it on a episode of Umai. They've got some really, really nice stuff. If you want to get items from Japan quite easily, some really nice quirky items, then you can go to SugoiMart.com, use the code GALP for 15% off on your purchase they've got some really nice stuff whether you're an anime fan whether you're a fan of japanese culture or even if you're a fan of disney they've got a lot of disney items on there so experience japan from the comfort of your own home with sugoi mart use the code g-a-l-p for 15 percent off thank you sugoi mart for sponsoring this episode of the podcast and back on to the episode okay we are back we're talking about nobunaga's ambition awakening hope you guys enjoyed the ad break this is the only ad break in the episode so there's no more ad breaks after that which is pretty cool because i wanted to get a bit more into the game talking about the political systems as well so the way that this game works is that you're really sort of encouraged to have political allies right so alliances you know being someone's retainer that kind of stuff i don't know the exact terminology because i'm not really too good with it but yeah i genuinely think i genuinely genuinely think right that that's one of the strong points about the games because you're interacting with historical figures and a lot of the time you don't necessarily know their personalities unless you read like japanese books or like historical information on them but you can see it through this game and the game is really historically accurate in that sense they've sort of gotten their their looks to a t for most part although i will say this like if you look at the japanese portraits of nobunaga he looks completely different like they've kind of made nobunaga look like this sort of poster boy which i get he doesn't actually look like that in like traditional japanese portraits and stuff because he i think he had his head shaved partly but that might be like later on i haven't seen like a lot of japanese portraits of nobunaga but regardless regardless political systems are really really important like a lot of the time i kind of so i'm going to give you guys an example i was doing my own run through and i was basically trying to get the central area of japan i'm trying to remember what area that is let me just check a map of map of japan sorry i just need to check the map the map of japan i'm just going to google maps so where oh this is actually not going to help i was trying to find a historical map of japan uh, sengoku map 
of Japan because that's going to help me in terms of prefectures and stuff. Okay. So I was in a battle with the Mori clan and the Shimazu clan and I'm like in the little bit in the middle like in between Oda and uh, Sh Shimazu. You know that little sort of island in the middle where the Miyoshi clan is? So that's where I was sectioned. I was literally in between Shimazu clan, Mori clan and Otomo clan and I'm just there in the middle and I'm like, shit, I only got like one castle. And this was around the time in my playthrough that the Toyotomi clan, the Hideyoshi's clan came in and just like took half of Japan. And I'm like, what am I going to do? I was worried about the Shimazu clan from the left and the Mori clan from above. And at that time I saw, you know, I thought, okay, I'm going to make an alliance with the Shimazu clan, which I did. And then I realized, oh no, I'm going to get like decimated by Hideyoshi Toyotomi. So I left Shimazu clan and I sort of decided to make an alliance with Hideyoshi because literally he had like 30,000 troops at a castle, which is insane. At that point, I only had like 10,000 troops at a castle or like 7,000, which I still do, by the way. I don't know how to kind of bring that up a little bit. You can do it through like castle improvements, like building barracks and like training grounds and things like that. And that does increase your groups. Obviously it takes a lot more money and a lot more resources like crops and things like that. It's always a fine balance to find the two. Anyway, so as soon as I sort of joined an alliance with Hideyoshi, I kind of felt a lot stronger because you can build the alliance up to sort of have them mediate on your behalf. So let's say the Shimazu clan is attacking me and I know that my castles can't handle it. I can request defense from Hideyoshi or what I could do is if my trust and my sort of negotiation is high enough, I can get Hideyoshi to mediate on my behalf, which is really, really interesting because basically Hideyoshi goes up to the Shimazu clan and says, don't attack them. I'm going to sort of broker a priest a peace treaty and you guys are going to have a truce for six months in the grand scheme of things because i play the game on like really fast six months is not a lot of time however however it does give me enough time to then go back to hideyoshi and be like look i'm gonna need more assistance from you as soon as this peace treaty is finished i've basically bolstered up my my castle i'm gonna need you to help me invade shimazu so that's what i ended up doing and i do that repeatedly why because hideyoshi's got a lot of troops and when you get them to help you invade you own that land you don't even need to send your own troops if it's someone as big as the Toyotomi clan you don't even need to send your own troops they will literally go out like mercenaries and just destroy shit and they will attack it for you the only issue is is that then you'll be left defenseless you won't have any troops in that castle that you've just taken over and they won't help you again unless you have enough trust and you have enough sort of negotiating power which it's a very fine balance i'm always constantly sending over people to Toyotomi and just asking them hey we need your assistance we need your assistance we need your assistance eventually it's going to get into a position where i'm going to have to then attack hideyoshi because i have a feeling i'm basically gonna use hideyoshi to take half of japan like the left half i'm gonna conquer that and then i'm gonna have to sort of fight him in the sort of right half and i'm hoping that there is more in the north i didn't check the north side of the map or the northwest sorry the northeast sorry where the Date clan is. I'm presuming they're there as well and Hojo and all that. So I'm hoping he or she doesn't get me on that side. But that's my plan. It's just basically to build up enough. And it's also about the strategy because you kind of have to think it in terms of a real life strategy because it's so accurate in that sense. Like, for example, if I've taken over the left side of the map, right? That left side of Japan, I've got castles over there. 
right? I know I'm not going to get attacked because you can't attack. Hideyoshi is realistically speaking, he's not going to go above with boats. He could, but he's not going to. And he's not going to do the same thing down. He's going to attack me head on. That's the most likely thing he's going to do. So I want to put all of my troops in the central area. So then that way, if there is an attack, I can then go and attack him. It's just, it's common sense, but at the same time, it, the game makes you think a little bit more about strategy and where to attack. Like, you don't just want to go in random places and attack them. And the game doesn't encourage that. The game encourages you, at least the AIs as well, they encourage you to attack areas, to weaken areas first, right? Uh, to do a fire attack on a castle, weaken its defenses, then go in or to sort of speak to enemy forces and lower their trust in them so that you can then swoop in and take their troops and take their officers. That's what I like doing. Another lovely thing in the game is that you can split your land and have different sort of sub-clans, which is really cool because it basically means that they can run on their own. What I did find though is that the AI is not necessarily smart enough to attack on its own. It will do, but it will find it very difficult. And I think the game gives you a lot of warnings when you do that anyway, because it's like, look, you're going to lose a lot of money. You're going to lose a lot of offices because you're splitting up your, your land and things like that. So the game does give you warnings. It's not going to let you do things willy nilly. It will give you a warning and say, hey, do you want to do this? You will lose X amount of money if you do this. You will lose this amount of offices if you do this. And it might not be good for you. But the game does give you those tips. You can still say no and do them. And I've done it many times and it worked out for me. It might not work out for you, but it worked out for me, which is a good thing. When you do that, when you split up your clan, it's good in terms of like building up the land itself. So if you want to build up land quite quickly and things like that and sort of scout areas and and all of that fun stuff they can do that automatically for you it's not necessarily so good when you want to attack areas and bear in mind if a castle is taken within that sub clan it goes the enemy will take that castle but then the rest of that clan will just combine with the original clan and that's a good thing because then it means you can go in and, and be like look we lost that castle let's take it back again and it's just really fun that way the game does allow you to have other things at your political disposal like political marriages which i don't think i've seen before and i'm not sure if it is in nobunaga taishi or in romance of the three kingdoms but the game can generate sons and daughters for you it doesn't say who their mothers are but it will just tell you i mean you could also get married to other characters within the game but if you're not then you probably have like concubines and stuff and you'll have children that way but there will be like a coming of age ceremony where your daughters and your sons will come of age your sons will basically fight for you in battle and things like that and your daughters will basically become maidens and you marry them off for political game basically to do alliances or if you want to increase a particular officer's loyalty uh, and sort of ensure that they never leave you you get them married to one of your daughters you could do that in the game alternatively you could turn that option off which i found in the settings you can get the maidens to also fight so if you don't want to use that feature of the game and you'd rather have the female characters fight for you you can do that and that's a really nice feature that they put in not necessarily historical not necessarily historically accurate but bear in mind this is a game at the end of the day we played games to play uh, to have fun so i'm all for that i'm really happy about it there are female warriors in japan around that time anyway and they are available in the game as standard whether or not you turn on that option but i'm talking about like npcs that are generated by birth basically um which is really cool i use that option quite often because you know i need more troops so if sending out my kids to fight yeah um no but seriously it is very very useful 
And also, if I'm not mistaken, if you end up dying, I'm pretty sure your, your next of kin takes over. I don't know about that because I haven't actually died in the game yet. So because I turned off dying in the game. Because um, you can also die of old age. That is possible because when you create your character, you can set a lifespan. I set it to 100 years, but I turn off the death option death of old age i keep on death in battles and i keep on executions but i'll turn off the the death from old age because i play the game super fast so they're gonna die quickly and i don't i don't want that that's just it because when you that's another thing when you play the game really fast like i do you get resources quickly but time goes quickly and i think once you turn off that whole death lifespan thing then time also becomes a little bit irrelevant and that's how I like to play the game. The lovely thing is, is that you've got all of these options and the fact that time is irrelevant, you could make it irrelevant if you wanted to. You've got all these options and you can play the game the way you want to play it. It's so versatile. I really do like it. I did also see a few other things in the game, DLC. And traditionally with Nobunaga Taishi and with Romance of Three Kingdoms, the DLC is often like DLC characters and DLC scenarios. It's additional content. It's not stuff that will give you an edge in the game as such. And a lot of the time, it's not historical people in the game. So for example, these additional characters are, yeah, they're not, they're not historical figures. What they are is it'll be, I'm pretty sure there'll be like an Atelier Riser collab because there was one for Romance of Three Kingdoms. There's usually also an anime collab as well. Actually, come to think of it, the game came out last year. So, I mean, in Japan, so bear with me a moment i'm gonna check what the dlc is okay so i'm on the dlc page so the dlc that you're gonna get in terms of gameplay will be dlc scenarios like i mentioned there was collaborations in previous games but i'm gonna tell you what was actually dlc last year and expect to see that as dlc this year so there's the battle of nagashino that's one of them Order and Tageda, their fate is decided here. That is one of them. There is a scenario called the Tensho Monkey Theater, which I believe is uh, Hideyoshi Hashiba. It's like his sort of storyline within the game. There is the Battle of Komaki uh, Nagakute, uh, which is a very famous battle in Samurai Warriors. And if you played Orochi, very famous battle, lovely music. The Hoshibusawa 40th Anniversary Warlord data set, which is basically from what i can see in commemoration of the 40th anniversary of the release of kawa kanajima no kasen uh, koshibosawa worked on blue wolf and white doe ishi no arashi water margin oath of destiny and kan ryuki a warlord who played an active role in the genpei battle will participate in nobunaga's ambition in new costume another one is the kyoshi hikawa high up or commander data so it's basically like new characters sengoku gombe high up as well a new set of cgs tie up commemorating the completion of the sengoku gombe uh manga so it's basically a collaboration with a manga i don't know how much of this will come overseas mainly because of the fact that they need what's the word they need like a special licensing uh it does mention that the kiyoshi uh hikawa collaboration is at the end of delivery which means um basically it was a timed collaboration i don't think we'll see that in the west but there is currently not that much dlc it's literally three stages one focusing on nobunaga and two focusing on uh hideyoshi toyotomi when he was hideyoshi hashiba which is pretty cool. And the other pieces of DLC are basically CG sets. So alternate looks for characters. And it's not that many of them. It's like 10 in a pack. It's not 
as much as you get that 2200 cgs it's not that much in reality so yeah that's pretty much it in terms of dlc looking at it a little bit more it's a little bit of a disappointing dlc um pack and i'm hoping that there is additional dlc for the west but you know that doesn't normally happen you don't normally get exclusive dlc for the western market unfortunately like i mentioned in previous games we've got like a lot more anime collaborations we had like a samurai warriors collab which made sense you know using cgs from samurai warriors and shinsango kumuso uh, as well as riser riser was a playable character in romance of the three kingdoms you know which was weird she didn't get any dlc lines but like in terms of voices it was weird to see but it was really cool at the same time so there was also a treasure box and digital deluxe edition you don't get that in in english unfortunately there is no additional content in that sense but yeah it is quite interesting there is a lot of different collaborations for this game and the fact that we didn't get them is a bit a bit disappointing people are wondering well why is this game a big deal it was done as the 40th anniversary of the series so it's it's an anniversary title much like dynasty warriors 9 is an anniversary title and things like that so i'm glad that we got this title in the west koei could have easily decided not to bring it in the west and the fact that they brought an english dub is fantastic so gg to koei thank you koei for actually bringing this and uh, bringing this game overseas it's pretty really cool really really I believe there was also a collaboration with the Takeda clan, if I'm not mistaken. I'm looking at it now. It's like a wine. Is it like a wine collaboration? I don't even know what it is, but there was like a collaboration for the Takeda clan. Change the language to English. Very interesting. Koei did a collab with a wine company in Japan called uh, Yamanashi Kaonoku. Really interesting. Discoveries abound in uh, Yamanashi except for the surroundings of Mount Fuji. Wait a minute. Yeah, no, wait. Wait a minute. Okay, no, I'm wrong in saying that. They did a collaboration with um, Yamanashi, I think it's Prefecture or something like that. Really cool, the home of Mount Fuji. And they did like some wine carriers and stuff. It's interesting that Koei did that. It says it here, Cabernet Sauvignon, Muscat Baby A. So they, they did like wine collaborations with a prefecture, which is pretty cool. I think that's probably where they make their wine in Japan. But either way, it's so interesting that you have all of these weird and wonderful collaborations in Japan. And I think this game is definitely designed for a Japanese market. It's covering their personal history, um, you know, which makes sense. But I'm just happy that Kobe brought it overseas. And the fact that Koei actually went in and gave it an English dub. Am I upset that there's no Japanese dub? It can go both ways. I know there'll be some people who are upset by that. I wasn't expecting the lack of a Japanese dub, but I don't mind it because they didn't put subtitles on the previous games anyway on the dubs. It just makes a lot more sense to play it in English anyway. I will say this, there is a little bit of glitches here and there in terms of the trophies, which Koei could easily fix. I'm not putting that against them. And the voices as well. A lot of the voices sound exactly the same and i think there is a little bit of a glitch in that especially when you're building characters in the creator character if you select the voices especially for the male characters and in fact the female characters their voices will be exactly but yeah, I'm excited to see other Koei games in the future. And like I said, big thanks to Koei for giving us a code for this game. Also big thanks to our sponsors, Japan Crate and Sugoi Mart. We are going to be covering other Koei games in the future. Bear in mind, there is more episodes of the podcast coming out soon. So there is going to be an episode regarding um, Samurai Revenant, which is also another like Sengoku era-esque game, but that's um, covering the Fate series. We're going to do an episode on that, but we need more information. I don't want to do like a speculation type episode on it just because there isn't enough information currently so closer to the time probably in september when tokyo game show is 
there. We'll get more information, I believe, because the game is coming out in October. So we'll get more information by Tokyo Game Show. We're revving up for Tokyo Game Show. In the meantime, we're going to have some episodes on Final Fantasy 16. It's going to take us a while to get through it, as well as some other JRPGs. Uh, bear in mind, it does take us a long time to do JRPG content. So yeah. But yeah, there'll be more episodes coming out. So get excited, get hyped. And remember, guys, I love you. And see you on the next episode. Bye.